Okay, I won't. But I'm going to put this part in there, but you tell me not to put that in there. Well, hold up. First off, that's not how this works. I talk, and I say what I'm going to be talking. You don't ask me, okay? Yeah, this is going in there, so people know not to f <laughs> So people in the future know not to f with my f intro. Future failure of an editor day here. The dog sounds disappear at about 5 minutes, 15 seconds. I tried to remove them, but uh, I did not find a way to do it. Recording once again. Take f take 15 on the PandaCast. Uh, hello, this is the Acromatic Podcast, and your boy is back. J-Ham, uh, J-Ham Strain, the gold one, the master, King Ranger. Uh, no Bouncy B today, no Branch League, no Broke B. But I do have a guest, uh, the young panda, if you want to introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here, Jay. I'm Amanda. Do you have any, like, other names you want to give? Like... Do you have any like aliases you have? No, no aliases, unfortunately. Just the one name. I can make some up just if you want me go to. Go ahead, go ahead. Give me your best shot. All right. Uh, the Panda Train. <laughs> Amanda the Panda. Uh, Amanda making me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my favorite one from, from elementary school was when everybody would go, You're a man. Duh. 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 <laughs> uh, a man. Duh. Mm hmm. Masculanda. <laughs> I, I don't know that's what that's a stretch yeah is. you're going a little crazy that with was it now. a stretch yeah yeah i just i just went for a walk so it's probably a good thing i just stretched a mm, little bit mm. so uh before we get into what the fuck we're about to talk about anything uh you want to say about yourself no Mm-mm. not uh, really do you want to learn oh, okay. what do you do you want me to do you want me to tell them what we're gonna be talking about today <laughs> is that your dog yeah <laughs> interrupting the podcast well here i'll i'll say some things about you first off uh you're kind of rude you're eating while we're recording um you know what i'm on a tight schedule and i have to work in an hour and a half and hour and a half mm, i have to drive to grand rapids for work today in an hour and a half okay that's fine then uh, check to see how much also, time we have <laughs> you're gonna need to ch like chop this up and cut some out and edit it it's not gonna be a straight i shot. can't edit that i can't edit your fucking dog out that's i mean i guess i can maybe dampen your sound but i don't think that's gonna happen oh good stop <laughs> i'm so sorry you're just gonna hear a bunch of squeaks in the background i'm the worst podcast guest ever and the podcast just started yeah, I mean, yeah, my other two guests have been pretty fire. So as far as who I've had, yeah, you're the worst so far. <laughs> I mean, it's my mom for one thing. You gotta like, <laughs> there yeah, you I go. Mean... Mention my mom. I mentioned my mom in every episode somehow. <laughs> Man, I'm such a mama's boy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, what do you do for a living, Amanda? So right now I am in my second year of my clinical master's of social work program. I am studying to be a child trauma therapist. And I also work part-time at, at um, the Domestic Violence Shelter in Grand Rapids for the YWCA, which is a nonprofit organization that works to um, help survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. What is YMC? What did you say? YCM? YWCA. YWCA. It's a national nonprofit. What is it? What are the acronyms? What does um, that stand for? It's okay. What it stands for is like not what we actually do. It's called the Young Women Christians Organization or Young Women Christians Association because it started in 1915 as mm -hmm. like um, they created boarding houses for women and that was like the initial purpose. And then over the last like a hundred years, it's evolved. Do you hear this fucking squeaking? <laughs> Yes. Over the last like a hundred years, it's evolved, and um, now we mainly offer services like we do like parenting education services. We offer childcare services, and a lot of our like main services revolve around like helping survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault like heal from those experiences. And um, all of our services are free. And there's I think three locations in Michigan: one in Kalamazoo, one in Grand Rapids, and one in Detroit. So. Wow. Wait, so is it only Michigan? Or no, it's a nationwide uh, nonprofit, but it's almost, it's kind of like a franchise thing where like each entity is independent, but they all have like the same 
um, name and do some hypothetically of the same stuff. if someone wanted to donate or something to the cause where would they do um you could go to ywca west central michigan and look at their website and they should be an option for donation get in it should be under the get involved tab it says like what we do volunteering donation um or you can just go to the general like ywca um nationwide site and you can donate to the national organization we're funded completely through grants um and donations so but mostly federal grants Wow, look at you out here making the world a better place. Trying my best. <laughs> Saving these young women. I can dig it. And men, and non-identifying. We don't judge. Oh, mm-hmm. men. Wait, so you're saying that men can be victims of sexual Absolutely. abuse? Absolutely, absolutely. And domestic violence. We have some men at our domestic no. violence shelter. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, men can't be raped. That's not. Yes, no, they can. Not, not as no. a, not as high rates, but um, that does it does happen. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for informing me. I would have had no idea. No, now you're being the sarcastic. <laughs> you're the one looking like an asshole now on the podcast. Oh, am I? I'm obviously fucking kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I made a very... <laughs> that's a very toxic masculine thing I to know, believe. I know, I know. I made it very clear my stance of toxic I masculinity. I know, I know, I know. So far. On this podcast, I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't know because you haven't listened. Yeah, but I know because I know you. So... You don't know me. <laughs> I only brought. I you don't know me. We aren't friends. I just brought you on to talk about you know to help out your cause. Right. Okay. Yeah, I don't know you. What are you talking mm-hmm. about, Pandy? <laughs> anyway, um, so I heard you went to GovBall. Yeah, I did. Talk so about fun. this again since this is the second take. So fun. Yeah, you don't need to yeah. expose me like this. Um, yeah, I went to GovBall recently, which first time in New York. Crazy. Um, we saw some very interesting stuff on the subway, which. What does that mean? I don't know if I can say it on your podcast. Yeah, you can. We saw somebody smoking crack, like, the first day we were there. Oh, okay. That's not as crazy I thought you were going to go. No, like... I thought you were going to say you saw somebody fucking... <laughs> no, no, thank God. Oh, my God, no. Um, no, went to New York. It's such a it's such a great city. Wait, why? Would you have had to join? <laughs> <laughs> Did you really just say this on a podcast your mother listens to? Yeah. <laughs> I'm outrageous. That's the brand. That's podcast. the brand. Um, yeah, no, New York's a great place. It's really, really high energy city. Really cool. Like we went to, we we pretty much tried to do like all of Manhattan, and then we got to go to Brooklyn a little bit. Um, and then yeah, we also went to GovBall. So I saw like Freddie Gibbs, Megan The Stallion, Dominic Fike, Earth Gang, Smino. You know, just to name a few. Some of my favorite uh, rap artists were there. So. You didn't see Drake? No Drake? Um, Is it controversial to say that I hate Drake? Well, not on this podcast because I've said it many times. <laughs> yeah, I hate Drake. So, no, I wouldn't pay to see Drake. That... Um, The headliners see, were really horrible, I have you on. Though. You know. <laughs> what? I said the headliners were really horrible, though. Shut up. You told me Ellie Goulding was there, so you're a It was J Balvin. Um, Don't know who that Post is. Post Malone. ASAP Rocky. And eh. who was there the first night? I can't remember, actually. Oh, um, Billie Eilish, but I don't listen oh. to her, so hmm. she's not terrible. She's but right. yeah, she's yeah, right. yeah. She's eighteen. She has a lot of hype. Can you believe but... it? Why'd you say that? Because she's like eighteen that. and she already is like a like a like a massively like huge artist, like oh. selling out tours like all over the. Michael Jackson was like eight when he was a huge artist. So let's not talk about Michael Maybe Jackson he was 12, today. <laughs> What's wrong with Michael Jackson? No, he's not. You shut your mouth. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. We don't have to talk about this. I'm censoring you. (laughs) I won't allow such slander on my podcast. Okay. Don't look at me like that. Like you you think you know something that I don't know or something. Apparently apparently I do. (laughs) Fuck fuck you. (laughs) You will not slander Michael Jackson's name on this podcast, okay? Okay. He may be weird, but he's no... <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know where we were at. Uh, side tangent. Uh, back to what the fuck ever. Uh, you were talking about music, but it's okay. I'm over that now. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna talk about me. If that's let's fine. talk about you. It's well, your I podcast. It's your podcast. I yeah. You know yeah, it's my off, podcast. I'm gonna King. talk about me. Damn it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I haven't really been done anything since the last podcast. <laughs> I uh, well, I made a video in one class. It was pretty fire, and I started using Adobe which is great software. I'd recommend that you use it if you need to make a project of creative sorts. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, I'm going to the beach this week. Oh, yeah? Where at? Or next week on Monday. Pensacola. No way. With my... Yeah. I'm going to go uh, get some beach bitches. <laughs> oh, my fucking God. All right, Jay. You do no, that. I'm going to hang out with my with my op friend, Corey. Nice. You know what op means? Nope. Uh, I think it means opposition, or maybe it means operative, but either way. It means he's kind of fake sometimes. Hey, Corey. Jay thinks you're fake if you're listening. Corey doesn't, Corey doesn't <laughs> listen. <laughs> yeah. He's a good dude, though. I can, tr- I can count on him, unlike some people. Not you, but <laughs> other people in my life who aren't very punctual about my apparently time. this this um podcast has now turned into a jay venting about a shitty friend session <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you're not my friend i'd be venting about mm, you you're right you're right yeah anyway so uh you want to talk about um let's talk about your organization or whatever what do you do okay where do you want me to start do you want me to start like at the beginning like how i got involved or yeah let's do that okay okay well for yeah, like I mentioned, like I am studying to be, I'm a clinical social work student, so I'm studying to be a therapist right now. Um, and when I was an undergrad, um, I went to Western and I studied psychology. And um, I started to take a lot of classes, like Western luckily offered a lot of courses like that went over trauma care and trauma's effect on the brain and, um, you know, child abuse and things like that, all like not super fun topics, but I found it to be really fascinating. And that's kind of where my interest in trauma care and working with, um, like the traumatized population started. And, um, my fifth year of undergrad, I, um, started working for the YWCA. I did an internship with them where I was assisting on SANE exams, which for anybody that doesn't know, a SANE exam is a sexual assault nurse examination. So I was an emotional supportive and I just would go respond to like emergency calls. I would meet the survivor at the Y and I would sit with them throughout the nurse examination and investigative process. Um, I did pediatric and adults and that's kind of where I started thinking like, hmm, maybe I might want to work with kids, but I still wasn't really sure. Um, And then after that, I continued to do that for a year, but about three or four months in, I got offered a position um, working for their human trafficking shelter. So um, it was an off-site shelter and it was like a long-term care shelter. We took survivors of human and labor or sex trafficking and labor trafficking. I'm sorry. And um, yeah, I just worked there for seven or eight months and got to form some relationships with some of the clients that we had and hear some stories. And I, that was where I felt really affirmed and like, okay, I want to do this and I want to do nonprofit care. Um, especially cause a lot of the people that, you know, a lot of the clients that I've seen coming through, um, don't, a lot of them are in poverty, um, and have a lot more issues made, um, a lot more issues in their life, um, because they're in poverty and it's really hard to focus on mental health care and to focus on healing from trauma when you have so many other things in your life going on or, you know, continuing traumatizing experiences. So I really developed a love for nonprofit care because, you know, I feel strongly that everybody who can afford care will always be able to find it. But those who can't have a really hard time even knowing where to look for resources um, and nonprofits are known for chronically being understaffed. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got into that. And then I came to Michigan State um, and started last year um, and everything was online, which was a really, really interesting experience. Um, Had my first experiences doing therapy by myself on zoom with people so that presented its own set of challenges but i was working at eve which for anybody that's listening that's from the lansing area eve is ending violent encounters and it's also a nonprofit organization um <clears throat> they do something similar to what the y does but they're like a local entity so they offer like domestic violence sh- um safety shelter they offer free therapy to survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence um they offer some like child care resources we do advocacy court advocacy we help people get personal protection orders um we help people find like stable and affordable housing all that kind of stuff so it's kind of all encompassing because like i mentioned like a lot of our clients that come in with you know, a sexual assault issue also tend to have, like, they're experiencing food insecurity, 
you know, issues with housing, safe housing, maybe sometimes there's substance abuse involved, you know, unstable family relationships. So um, we kind of try to take a holistic approach to it and tackle as many things as we can so that they can get care and get back on their feet and get better. Um, so I did therapy with survi adult survivors of domestic violence, and that was a really, really eye-opening experience. And I also worked with a few kids who were secondary survivors um, of domestic violence, so they'd witnessed it um, or they knew that their parent was in an abusive relationship or something like that, and I really fell in love with working with kids. I had um, a couple kids that I just like was so sad I had to leave. I really enjoyed them. And that's where I kind of was affirmed in the fact that like, okay, now I want to do child trauma therapy. I already knew I wanted to do trauma therapy, but that's when I decided I wanted to work with kids. Um, and this year I'm at Small Talk Children's Advocacy Center, which is a uh, CAC. And there are there's a national accrediting body that accredits CACs throughout the country. And... Um, yeah, what we do pretty much is we do forensic interviewing, we do um, therapy. Um, I'll be specifically doing trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a specific, specific therapy modality for kids ages 3 to 18 who have suffered one or more traumatic event and have clinically significant symptoms related to trauma. Um, and so I'll be doing that this year. I've also assisted with risk assessments, forensic interviews, things like that. Again, like it's a nonprofit, so all of our services are free, but it's a smaller organization. So yeah, we only work with kids and families and uh, we don't do any sort of like shelter housing or anything like that. And then, yeah, I work part-time at the domestic violence shelter in Grand Rapids, which is an immediate safety shelter for people that are in extremely high risk situations. So it's a short term um, shelter. Typically people only stay for about 30 days. Um, and yeah, that's kind of just a little bit about what I've been, what I've been doing. Well, you just talked for years. like 10 minutes. Oh so yeah, I know. I can tell how much you care about these things, honestly. Mm -hmm. Did I really talk for it's 10 inspiring. minutes? inspiring. No, that's it's probably so... like six or seven, I think. Yeah, well, and oh, that's, that's just, that that's just the, ticket. that's just like the gist of it, honestly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you deal with how do you like compartmentalize all these like feelings that you have to take from other people? Um, I think that's a really interesting question and something I'm still working on myself in the field of social work. There's a lot of emphasis on like self-care, self-care, coping, you know, like compartmentalization, all that stuff. But I think honestly, part of it comes from just there are some people that are geared for certain jobs, whether it be this field or another field, like some people have certain strengths that allow them to work certain positions and some people have other strengths that allow them to work other positions and I don't view like my field as anything different like for whatever reason I am able to hear and digest a lot of this content and do my job and you know there are other positions in social work that I could never I could never do you know like being a foster care case manager I would not do well in that you know doing a lot of immediate crisis work I don't do well with working with you know um like addicts and things like that I would have a hard time emotionally doing that so I think it's all about just like finding what you feel passionate about finding your strengths and then a lot of it is really just looking at the positives so we talk a lot about strengths-based approaches to treatment um, and I think that that helps like reframe a lot of the tragic things that we hear so yesterday I had to go for a forensic interview or Wednesday and it was pretty sad I it was pretty pretty horrific and I think what helped afterwards was debriefing with my team and having the emotional support from everybody that works there and and kind of focusing on well yes this was sad but look at the strengths this child displayed in this category this category this category look at the ways in which they have support and they might have a more positive outcome and just trying to look at it like that and ultimately you know like whatever sad things I hear I am getting to bear witness to somebody's healing and I am a trusted party that's going to hopefully give a positive interaction, a positive adult interaction in the in you know the aftermath of trauma, and that's something that I, you know, really like enjoy and don't take lightly. So I think I just try to think about like why am I doing this, um, and that helps me keep going. But a lot of times it's just it's just learning and growing a thicker skin. So yeah, I'd imagine your skin have to be really thick to deal with kids going through those sort of things. You'd be surprised. Kids are really, kids are really funny and they're really, they're really cute and they're really, they're really resilient. Kids are really resilient. Yeah. Um, 
much more so than adults. It's 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 sometimes harder to work with adults because maybe the kid that you're coming in with, sure, they could have like a complex long term trauma history, but they're still really young and their brain is still you know developing and a lot of their like um, opinions about themselves or opinions about the world are not super concrete yet. And getting in like at that level and being able to do therapy and help them. Um, heal from this and integrate the trauma into their life in a healthy way can actually give them better outcomes in adulthood. Whereas working with an adult who might be coming in, you know, like what I did last year, working with an adult who's coming in who has had um, a long history of childhood trauma and then multiple abusive relationships, trying to get them to, you know, emotionally regulate and, you know, um, helping them fix their cognitive distortions and things like that is much, much more challenging because they're already developed, they're much more set, and they have had a longer time without intervention that has given time for this to set in more in a negative way. So working with adults presents its own challenges. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a brain fart at the moment. I, won't, my, my, I guess my comment about the kids is that you being an adult you having to hear the stories and imagine what they had to go through, although they might understand or they might not have the uh, intellectual complexity to see all the sad and worst parts of it, but you can, and they're telling you about it. That's what I meant when I said the thick skin thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, there's, I think that the thing that other people that work with this population and work in this field can understand and empathize with um that i think i'll probably say and people are like what that doesn't make sense but um is the fact that like sometimes you just have to look at it very objectively and you can't let yourself go there like you can i could sit for hours and think about all these sad things that these kids have had to go through and hearing the way the court system may have failed them or their families have failed them or things like that it is really it is really hard but if i sit and let it all way on me I won't be able to do my job and then I won't be helping the kid either so you just kind of have to think of it as like well they're here now they're getting care now how can we maximize this to give them the best long-term outcome Some good answers man impressed <laughs> <laughs> thank you um fuck <laughs> I feel speechless I had something to say but I don't remember what it was <laughs> this is embarrassing Take your time. Take your time. It's your podcast. Everyone yeah, I'm usually time. the one. I'm usually the witty one. I'm the quick one. <laughs> so, okay. Serious topics. Yeah, this is pretty serious. I don't know shit about it. This is what the issue is. It's just my mm -hmm. assumptions. But um, do you feel like? I mean, you say it's understaffed. In you said nonprofits in general, right? But how understaffed do you feel like you are, or that field is in general? Um, I actually think there are a lot of like experts and a lot of, there's a lot of emphasis on childhood trauma and I, it's a, it's a growing field, especially as we look more at like multi-generational trauma and its effects on genetics and, you know, childhood trauma, trauma and its effects on like long-term positive outcomes in adulthood or um, negative outcomes in adulthood. Um, I think there's a lot of research that's done on childhood trauma. I think there's a lot of there is a lot of funding and there are a lot of people in the field that really care. I mean, TFCVT was literally created to treat children with trauma. Um, so there's an entire therapy modality devoted to this. So I would say that there is a lot of like awareness in the social work fields and the psychology fields and therapeutic fields about trauma and childhood trauma. Um, a lot of people have trauma, like very, very high rate of the population has experienced traumatic, one traumatic event. Um, not all trauma, I mean, depending on the individual, not all traumatic experiences lead to PTSD or like negative like um, outcomes related to trauma. Some people are really resilient and they can have it and be like, okay, I've talked about it, that it is what it is and I'm moving on. Um, but more often than not, if it goes untreated is where like the real issues are. I would say that where lack of awareness comes in is with the general public. Um, I tend to notice that most people want to feel, most people feel when this topic comes up really uncomfortable and they don't want to discuss it. Um, and I think that that lack of willingness to talk about these tough issues continues to perpetuate cases of, of childhood abuse because um, the reality is, is that 90% um, of child sexual abuse um, cases are perpetrated by an individual who's either a part of the family or like 
very close to the family. So you're talking about a lot of intrafamiliar sexual abuse. You're talking about like the piano teacher, the basketball coach, the babysitter, you know what I mean? People that are really close to the family and um, yet people don't want to discuss it and it's happening in their own homes and their own families and it's happening a lot. Um, you know, like we have a four month wait list right now to get kids in Shit. for therapy. Wow. Yeah. That's so, and we have, we have, five clinical therapists and two interns who have like the therapists have like 20 cases each yeah and we yes and we have a four-month wait list and it's growing we're busy we're very busy so um you know there wouldn't be such a need for it if it didn't exist so like pervasively and intensely and and it's like like i said like it's like the person next door like it's so some people are like, oh, my God, I would never have expected it would be this person. But it's often the person that's closest to you or might be closest to the child that's, like, perpetrating these really horrible things. So, And, you know, like, unfortunately, like, um, you see much higher rates of physical abuse and domestic violence in, in areas where there's a lot of poverty. And a lot of people are really struggling right now financially and otherwise and um it's definitely more pervasive because i i I really believe that in some ways like physical abuse and trauma are symptoms of poverty and poverty becomes a bigger issue but that's a whole other conversation (laughs) so yeah i think that like if people were less willfully ignorant about it and could stomach the fact that these conversations are uncomfortable but they're necessary then maybe it would decrease because there'd be greater awareness and um another thing that we talk about at small talk a lot too is um the amount of times that a child is diagnosed with mental health problems um when really it's trauma symptoms Mm -hmm. so like adhd and ptsd often get like conflated because a lot of the symptoms look similar and in really young kids like seven eight nine you know if you see a kid who's inattentive who's like having trouble focusing all of these types of things um you may think oh the kid just has adhd but if you look deeper like we have a lot of kids that come in that have adhd and then you know we look at their history and it turns out that they actually have had like a really traumatic experience and these are trauma symptoms um so i think it really does a disservice to all the kids that are going through this um to not discuss it with the general public even if it's not happening to you because it's affecting somebody and it's likely affecting somebody that we all know so do you think that like uh the adhd or the misdiagnosis for adhd is like related to pharma companies and schools just giving kids prescriptions for ADHD? yeah yeah i mean i think that like um the really interesting thing is I think I learned in one of my in one of my courses that something like oh god like 70 or 80 percent of like childhood mental health like mental illness like goes undiagnosed and untreated um and on top of that like drug companies yeah they are really willing to prescribe a lot of psychiatrists are really willing to prescribe a kid with something like Ritalin which is basically meth um or heroin you know mm-hmm. in, in like a controlled dose um and they're really and then they have to give kids you know they give that to developing brains like how does that affect your ability to develop normatively and additionally i think a lot of parents are really quick to assume oh my god my kid's hyperactive he can't focus like i need to take him to the doctor he must have adhd and really it might be developmentally normal behavior for a seven-year-old you know or maybe the kid's just a little bit hyper and he might calm down i think there's a lot of issues with diagnosing mental health problems like really early in life because one labels can be harmful and if a child gets labeled as difficult or, you know, whatever, like inattentive or whatever their parents are telling them, you're so difficult to deal with, you're so whatever, um, or they get labeled of ADHD and they grow up with their sense of self being like surrounded by a diagnosis. Um, and then it turns out that like maybe they didn't have clinically significant ADHD, maybe something else was going on, maybe there was nothing going on and they were just a normal kid, you know, because everybody, everybody's different, but there are like developmental, like, trends that kids go on that you can track like is this developmentally normal or not um so i think there's a lot of problems when it comes to like diagnosing and prescribing because one it's kids are underdiagnosed and undertreated for mental health problems but then in some areas are much overdiagnosed and shouldn't be necessarily prescribed the medication that they're being prescribed and a lot of times with adhd medication you'll see that medication causes more side effects than results so especially with young young kids yeah Definitely, when you see them in the future and they become school shooters. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> is that not is that not true? I mean, or am I just being, I am I being that, ignorant? Like, kids, I don't think that kids with ADHD just like become. No, I'm saying because <laughs> the Ritalin is what I was saying. 
Oh, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak on that. Okay. Well, my favorite answer as a therapist is I don't know because sometimes you don't know. Well, maybe so I'm just I talking on my ass. Then. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't, I, I don't. I don't know. I thought you were gonna. I thought you had the information, so I figured you would mm. either correct me or agree with me. Nope. Don't don't have that. <laughs> assumptions i gotta stop doing that mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. what would you do what exact? what do you think would help to like i don't know destigmatize or just get people more aware of the trauma and wanting to deal with trauma and more willing to deal with trauma um hmm that's a really interesting question and i don't think it has like one clear-cut answer um i think that overall and you'll see this in a lot of like our um you'll see this in our political system, in our social, in our social system, there's just like some things that are considered taboo. And I think talking about these things are considered taboo. People can't hear them. I also think for a lot of people, it hits close to home. You know, they look at their own kids and they think, oh my God, what if this, I can't even imagine. They can't fathom it. Um, But like I said, I think that that like, that uncomfortability with the subject, um, isn't doing anybody any favors and I think that in turn like you're trading like ignorance for comfort so you're willing to take on ignorance um about real important issues just so you can be comfortable not discussing a topic sounds American but also, to me <laughs> yeah I mean yeah but also um I think that in general like what would help is if Childhood sexual abuse is taken pretty seriously um I would say that you know there's probably the the criminal even all criminals hate is a sex offender a pedophile you know yeah. so um child sexual abuse is taken pretty seriously but when you get to adults and you're looking at like um you know rape and domestic violence those are things that um the general public does not have as much compassion for something about how when it becomes an adult they don't care as much and um a lot of times that's where like victim blaming starts and um you know, the, the police system isn't necessarily, to put it mildly, isn't necessarily, like, receiving of uh, sexual assault or domestic violence allegations. Um, they also aren't trained with a trauma-informed perspective. So when they get these calls and have to respond to them or have to interview the victims, it's not always in a way that's compassionate, kind, and trauma-informed. So a lot of times it's more harmful than anything. Um, also, I read a statistic once, um, which I could find the source of it, but something like 35 to 40% of cops are, have been charged with like some sort of domestic violence, um, wait, charge. Wait, what's that percentage so, again? Something like 35 to 40%. Wow. Um, so yeah. So you have a lot of people that don't view rape as a serious issue. And I think you can see that and like violence, I think violence against women in general because like yes sexual assault domestic violence all these things do happen to boys and girls and men and women but um by and large the research shows us that they happen to women at far higher rates than they happen to men and um i think that there's just this general attitude of like um you know that women are less than and things like that that perpetuate like rape culture and um make it so that it's not really possible for these issues to be tackled in like a meaningful way, if that makes sense. I mean, things like the fact that, um, let's say just for example, like, uh, let's talk about X, like XXX like that's a, that's a perfect example. Um, this man brutalized a woman, made her go blind, um, you know, tortured her, locked her in a bathroom for multiple days, you know, abused her with many different instruments, um, and pretty much just terrorized her. And you still had people coming out saying, innocent until proven guilty, you have to separate the artist from the music. Didn't he sexually Um, assault her also? Yeah. And then when he died, like, you had people sending her death threats. Like, this woman got brutally tortured and people were telling her she should kill herself pretty much or that and because they loved x so much yeah and you know um then when he died there was this massive memorial and funeral for him and afterwards um the new york times did an expose you can look it up where they had recordings of him talking about beating her and he was laughing about it and saying oh i enjoyed it you know and yet this man is still was able to release like 
you know, people made, like, posthumous tributes to him and still listen to his music and still reference him, like, other popular rappers still reference him sometimes in music as if he wasn't a monster, you know? And um, the fact that somebody can be removed from these horrific things if they're rich, famous, or, like, quote-unquote, likable (laughs) enough. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, then you look at Lil Uzi, like, for a more recent example Mm. about how, you know, he was... um, he was accused of punching his ex-girlfriend 15 times at a recording studio in front of St. John, who's another music artist, and it was it barely made the news. And he's still making music and being featured on albums, and everybody's just, like, cool with it. He's still able to make millions of dollars. And so I think there's a lot of attitudes just in, like, general, um, in our social culture that allow things like this to continue. And it's all it's all connected. So since we're talking about rappers and sexual assault and, yes. and abuse or whatever, what do you yes. think? Have you heard about what uh, Lil Boozy did? Um, I've heard about Lil Boozy shitting on Lil Nas for being gay. Yeah, because he's but... worried about kids becoming gay, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so the man, <laughs> the man that people are rallying behind for his parenting skills, I guess. Uh, he paid for a prostitute to have sex with his 13-year-old son and nephew. That's rape. Okay. That's rape. <laughs> that That's rape. Confirmed. Rape. <laughs> it's pedophilia. Yeah. Now, yep. what... What... I don't even... What sentence would Boozy deserve for such a thing like that, if you're familiar with sentencing for rape and whatnot? And um, I'm not that familiar with sentencing. And additionally... um. Additionally, though, like, rape, when when it comes to, and again, this goes back to how socially we as a country view sexual assault and view these types of issues, because it does affect, you know, it has affected the legal system. And um, rape is often, like, one, you'll see a lot of rapists go free. You'll see a lot of rapists never make it to trial. And that also has to do with the fact that, like, it is very traumatizing for a lot of survivors to go through a court proceeding. Um, It's a lot of interviewing. It's a lot of re-experiencing the trauma over and over and over again. And additionally, something that's not uncommon is it taking, is there a delay between the assault and reporting? Because you're processing you know and it's scary and it's hard to tell people and like there are some people that have been assaulted that you know come in for therapy and have never told anybody you know so um rape is like undercharged and under sentenced a lot of the time like i've heard like even look at bill cosby yeah like this man like got off on a technicality after admitting that he did it and he'd only gotten charged with like so many years years in prison yeah and he had raped like 40 women drugged and raped like suspected 40 women and um, that's the system's fault yeah but yet the news is still giving him like airtime like i just saw he said yesterday like oh that r kelly got railroaded in this trial and i'm like why are you putting what this man says on the internet like why you know you know come on you know why it gets attention um i would say though i don't know what little i would have to know like more about it but i would say that like that is that's not that's weird (laughs) yeah it's trash Um, as i would say yeah i think at the very least like that is speaks to the fact that maybe his children aren't in a safe environment now why would you why would you think that people wouldn't consider that rape if you do you understand what i mean um, like culturally why would people think something like that is okay in your opinion i don't know how many people actually heard about that and thought that was okay a lot of people heard about that well a lot of the people who follow Boozy heard about it. But I guess care. to spin that around, I would just say because he's a man. Um, and think about the fact that men and their sexual desires and all of that stuff is held to a much higher standard than women in general in society. And um, I would also say, this is just me, like, honestly, not really guessing, but I guess in a way just, like, kind of spitballing. Um, I would flip it around and say, imagine if, Lil was a woman mm-hmm. and it was a female child and the woman had hired a male prostitute. Oh, yeah. People would be going crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But it's no different. It's still a 13-year-old no, it's, child. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. Are you from... Uh, do you keep up... Not keep up, but like... 
do you ever like think about like teachers and students like have you ever like thought about that whole situation like what do you mean like the rate i guess like the rate of teachers and students that continues to happen in the country i have to say that i don't know much about that but something i do find interesting is that statistically men perpetrate sexual crimes at white men specifically white men in their 20s are um, perpetrators of the most of like all violent crimes at higher rates than any other population um and so like that's for child sexual abuse that's for domestic violence that's for sexual assault that's for murder that's for like all violent crime like white men are the most perpetrators of um and something i find really interesting is that a lot of times when you hear about teachers and students it's a female teacher that's what i was leading and into. a male student yeah yeah it's just interesting to me how it's like i feel i mean i don't know i was i don't know for a fact but i just imagine that it was a bigger deal in like 10 years ago anything past 10 years ago or if a teacher came out like it was like a whole fucking thing but now i see it on the news and it's just seems i see it it's always a woman most of it's pretty much always a woman when i see it on the news or when i did see it on i the think news. it's it's also interesting though going back to the little boosie thing is like i think sometimes men view women as like conquests yeah like something that like like sex like sex with a woman is something you can conquer and it makes you a man and like all this other stuff and um I so i think that, that there's this true. so yeah so i think there's this air of like oh you're cooler if you have sex with an older woman or you are able to get it because because that's a notch in your belt you know sleeping with her or whatever the case is um and the fact is, is that these young boys are still victims. Yeah. You know, these these women are using positions of power to, um, to sexually abuse teen boys, and simply because they don't view it in that way, that maybe the victims like don't always view it in that way. Maybe they think they're having a relationship. Doesn't mean it's not abuse. You know, yeah. um, if there's a disparate age difference, and there is sexual contact, and the child is a minor that is sexual that's sexual assault so you know when you're looking at a 30 year old and a 16 year old um regardless of if the 30 year old's a woman or a man and the 16 year old's a a girl or boy like that's still that's sexual abuse so yeah i think uh the way that people traditionally think about like the men aspect of it like when a man or a boys gets raped or sexually assaulted by an older woman i think that ultimately hurts men as a whole because it ends up, from what I understand, people will have a lot more trauma about it, like, you know, 15 to 20 years down the line when they actually, like, think back and realize, oh, I was assaulted. Mm-hmm. And I think it just... Yeah, also think about the fact that, like, as toxic masculinity plays into this as well, like, think about the fact that men are often asked, even men that are sexually assaulted are, like, called names or viewed as, like less than or pussies or whatever um or there's no way she assaulted you like you're a man you know what i mean there's no way that could happen to you so i would not i would say that like whenever you're looking at issues of sexual abuse like gender roles always heavily play into it because they play into every interaction in society so you cannot understate um the massive effect that gender roles and gender socialization has on even issues like this and how they're received and how they're treated i agree Mm mm-hmm so we haven't talked about trafficking yet okay so i'd like to get your uh get some information on it like once upon a time you told me that trafficking happens way more than people would even expect it to yeah um in fact um the average age of a trafficking victim in the united states is 13 to 15 um and trafficking the biggest misconception is that trafficking is not taken Okay, it's not like, <laughs> oh, like that's kidnapping. Getting put and sold on things. a boat. <laughs> yeah, you're not just bidder. like getting off the airport and somebody, or, you know, I see stuff on, I see stuff on Facebook sometimes, which Facebook is just a cesspool of bad ideas. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I see stuff on Facebook sometimes and it's like, oh, I saw a, a t-shirt on my car outside of Walmart and that's a sign of human trafficking. Oh, I'm sure of it. I saw that and in my college. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, I'm just so concerned. It's like, if you're so concerned, get off Facebook and call the police. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, which is a little bit contradictory because I was just saying how police don't necessarily handle these things well. But there are specific task forces for human trafficking. And human trafficking is a really unique population to work with, human trafficking survivors, because it's similar. There's often sexual assault and domestic violence involved, but 
there's other things going on that make it a little bit more complicated to work with. Um, and it's not necessarily like as cut and dry. I mean, none of these issues are, but, um, yeah, so that is not what sexual assault or that's not what human, um, trafficking. human trafficking is. It's not, nobody's going to get you in your car to like pull up in a white van outside of Walmart, open their doors and snatch you. That's, that's not it. <laughs> and um, leave a phone to your dad to call. <laughs> a lot of times human trafficking, um, a lot of times human trafficking is perpetrated again by somebody known to the trafficker. Like when I was working at the domestic violence shelter or the human trafficking shelter, um, when I was working at the human trafficking shelter, um, almost all, in fact, all of the clients that we had, they were trafficked by a boyfriend, family member, um, or friend or like parent. So you're, again, seeing people close to the family um, that are, like, perpetrating these crimes. And I've just pulled up the Homeland Security website so I can give you, like, a full definition for all the listeners of human trafficking. So human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Um, so every year, millions of men, women, and children are trafficked worldwide. Um, it can happen in any community and victims can be any age, race, gender, or nationality. Traffickers might use violence, manipulation, or false promises of well-paying jobs or romantic relationships to lure, um, victims into trafficking situations. So a lot of times, um, trafficking, like you're going to see the fact that like maybe this person, it started out in an abusive relationship, right? Like good example is we had a client once without going into too much detail. Um, we had a client once who was staying with us and she was trafficked by her boyfriend and he would, um, use drugs to keep her, um, to keep her like docile, so to speak. And, um, you know, he kept her in his apartment and her sex trafficking looked like him letting, his friends come over and have sex with her um, against her will, which is sexual assault, but that's also human trafficking because you're using force to like in exchange, like to get this person to perform a sex act. But more often than not, like you're looking, traffickers are going to prey on people that are very vulnerable. So a lot of the times, like I said, the average age of trafficking is a 13 to 15 year old girl. Grand Rapids is actually one of the worst cities for human trafficking in the state. Like it's the worst city in the state of Michigan. It's one of the worst cities in the country for human trafficking, such high rates. Um, and a lot of times what you're going to see is traffickers being like, you know, I mean, honestly, you could argue that prostitution is human trafficking, you know, like, like if you have like a pimp or somebody who's controlling their, who's controlling their, like maybe their, their finances and their access to their own like IDs or passports or things like that, controlling it so they can't get away and telling them you have to do this or I'm going to do this. You have to do a sleep with this person or I'm going to do this. Um, I would argue that a lot of prostitutes are in sex trafficking situations. Um, so we specify that by saying illegal prostitutes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what would you say a legal prostitute is? Like OnlyFans? No, like in Nevada where prostitution is legal. Yeah, but that's that's different. And also, like, I would say that because there's not widespread laws about legal prostitution, like there are in some other foreign countries, like it's harder to make sure that this is like a sound, safe process. And you can't necessarily say beyond a shadow of a doubt that like things aren't still happening that are really shady. So would Amsterdam be a better example then? Yeah, because they actually have laws, like a lot of laws protecting sex workers and things like that. Um, And again, here in the United States, there's this idea that sex workers are less than. um, So that contributes to a lot of like negative treatment of sex workers. But yeah, so human trafficking, a lot of times they're going to prey on somebody who's vulnerable. So maybe a child who's been in an abusive home situation that runs away, right? And maybe they need, maybe they need something from a trafficker. So maybe this person walks up to them and they offer them you know, like, I'll, I'll let you stay at my house. Like, you, you need a place to stay. Like, I'll let you stay with me. Um, you just have to do this one time, you know. Yeah. And then it becomes, it becomes more than that. And then it becomes, well, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. If you don't do this, I'm going to beat you up. If you don't do this, you know. And we had people that had been labor trafficked as well. So um, we had an individual who was promised a job by her family to come to the U.S. And... Um, 
you know, work a nannying job and they told her it was going to be this way. They were going to pay her this much and whatever. When she got here, they took her passports. They took her green card. They took her, um, all of her identification and they made her work extremely strenuous, long hours in terrible working conditions and did not pay her. So that's labor trafficking. Um, so, you know, it, it looks different and, um, but it's definitely not taken. <laughs> it's definitely not taken. And it's usually involves some sort of grooming as well, just yeah. like, um, child sexual abuse or anything like that. Would so. you say that something like taken kind of hurts like the effort yes. of trafficking? Yeah. Yes. Because it's giving the public like a general, like, it's like, oh, if it's not this, yeah, yeah. If it's not this extreme, then it's just, okay. and then people don't know what to look for. Like, yeah. I, you know, a lot of doctors in, in ERs and things like that are not like that's happening more now than it was. But, um, there's not a lot of awareness about like, what are signs of human trafficking? Like if a trafficker comes in with a victim, like if they need medical care or something, like what are signs that this person might be being trafficked? What are signs that this person's in an abusive relationship? And a lot of the times, like these, these, um, survivors are harmed because they'll be, maybe they'll be in an emergency room and, the doctor won't ask them privately. They'll ask them with the trafficker or abuser sitting right there. Oh, do you feel safe at home with this person? What are they supposed to say? You know? So I think there's a lot of like lack of awareness about like, what does human trafficking look like? What is human trafficking? How much of an issue is it? Cause it's a huge problem. Um, and what age group does this affect? Mostly teenagers, mostly teenage girls are human trafficked. Um, so I think that, like, movies like that, like, while they may be entertaining, um, and, you know, that may, be, that may be human trafficking, that's a really extreme and uncommon example, though. Like, most of the time, it's not going to start with a kidnapping, you know? So, um, while that could be possible, while, you know, them selling her, um, I think she ended up getting sold in, in, like, a sex auction or something like that in the movie. Yeah. So, um, like, Emirates or something. Things like that could happen, you know? Like, there are, there are underground sex trafficking rings, you know? Like, there are, there's something called sexual tourism, where people will fly to other countries like i'm pretty sure jeffrey epstein did this people will fly to other countries um like and they will pay to have sex with young children like that's sex trafficking you know flying a a minor or uh, even an adult across the country to go make them sleep with somebody else that's sex trafficking so it can look it can be again like everything else is on a spectrum varying levels of severity and i think taken is like a really interesting story but it's a really 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 extreme example of human trafficking and it's not what's common yeah. and i think it does like do a disservice yeah because then you see people on facebook again sharing these ridiculous posts about oh i know for sure i was gonna be trafficked it's like okay you're not helping the effort yeah. at all and i doubt you know much about human trafficking to begin with yeah, so. i don't think anybody what would really be helpful from what you just yeah said. what would yeah 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 so so were you gonna say what would be really be helpful what is if people started to share access to like the Homeland Security website about human trafficking or human trafficking resources in our state or things like that and actually spreading awareness in a positive way. Um, I think a lot of times in this country with a lot of issues, um, people wait until something has happened to them to raise awareness or, or grow an awareness or um, something like that. And that is a really, if you wait till after the fact, like that's not really a helpful yeah. way to think or behave, is it? So. Yeah, the effect's already taken. Mm -hmm. So what does your organization do to raise awareness of sexual traffic, sexual tra human trafficking, like community um, outreach or? Yeah, like, it's a lot of pamphlets? community outreach. It's a lot of community outreach. Um, the YWCA also since it's a national organization, they do a lot of like training seminars and like um, they have a lot of speakers that come about all different kinds of stuff. You know, we do. We range from topics like racial equity to like positive parenting to like sexual assault, domestic violence, human trafficking, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of it's, yeah, community outreach, community programs, and a lot of it's focused on helping survivors and raising awareness about the very real issues, sharing statistics, you know, um, like going back to domestic violence, like one in four women have been abused in yeah. domestic violence relationship and that's just the statistics we know about you know what i mean being a woman myself and having socialized with a lot of women you know um almost actually no every single woman i know has had a negative sexual experience or dating experience that would fall under the lines of sexual harassment assault or domestic abuse um 
And so we try to raise awareness, but we also try to, like, help the survivors feel safe again and help them, you know, become autonomous and independent and um, be able to function outside of their trauma. Um, And it takes time and it takes work. But, yeah, we just – we do what we can. We do community events. We do fundraising events. Um, I know that for the why coming up um, for at least domestic violence – October is like Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and so the Blue Bridge in Grand Rapids is going to be lit up purple in honor of like domestic violence survivors who have lost, or not survivors, I'm sorry, um, all of those who have lost their lives um, because of domestic violence in the last year. So they're having like vigils and they do community events and like things like that. Um, so yeah, a lot of it's community engagement, like on the ground work, I would say. Um. October is also my birthday month. That's why I had to plug that in there. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jay! <laughs> oh, it is October. I just realized it is the first. It's October first, yeah. My birthday is in eight days. Hell yeah! So uh, I'll be expecting a gift in the mail. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> your gift is me coming on this podcast. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did need someone to record with, so you filled that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean. I don't want to say it that way because this is actually really good. I'm glad to get this information out this in this sort of way. Yeah. Um, what do you how do you feel about uh the terms we use for sexual assault? Like, do you feel like it's not specific enough? I personally feel like people think it's either rape or sexual assault and then like that's just like that's like the bar, right? Like there aren't I don't feel like there are enough terms to specify to things to different degrees of sexual assault um i would argue that um i would argue that those that aren't aware of what sexual assault is and think we need more terms don't actually know what the definition of sexual assault is so called out so i would say and i actually just pulled this up sexual assault is an act in which one intentionally touches another person without that person's consent or coerces or physically forces a person to engage in a sexual act against their will. It is a form of sexual violence, which includes child sexual abuse, groping, rape, um, which is forced vaginal anal oral penetration, or drug-facilitated sexual assault, um, or the torture of a person in a sexual manner. Now, you don't think that is a lot of stuff for one definition? Um, I mean... For a legal, no, for legal it's terms, sexual assault. It's for, sexual assault. Okay, I understand that. Assaulting somebody sexually. But if I, if someone gets called a sexual assaulter and they didn't penetrate, they don't some, get called a sexual assaulter. They get called a sex offender. Shut up. You know what I mean. <laughs> and you'd be surprised the amount of people that have raped somebody um, <laughs> that don't aren't on. You'd be surprised sex- how many people around you are rapists. No, you'd be surprised the amount of people that have sexually assaulted somebody that aren't even on the sex offender registry. Yeah, no, I would be surprised by that. Because, like, this rape statistics is like, yeah, like, I don't know what the, I'm just rape saying this. Rape is the it's, most underreported crime. That's what like, I was about to say. That's what I was crimes. trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, What, I mean, like, sexual assault, like, such a broad term. How do people, how would one person, I want to, like, judge a person, a judge somebody who is a sexual assaulter? Because it's like, they have this a one term. Sexual assaulter. Yeah, sexual offender, whatever. Like, sex offender yes yeah. how would i feel like it's unfair to judge people a certain way because like there's like you get called a sex offender and like that doesn't specify what you did like you could have done something very minor on the um, list and now everybody thinks sexual you did. assault is still sexual assault okay um, you you're missing my point no, there's I'm too not. there are my too many definitions to in this one term my answer to that is that um sexual assault is sexual assault okay and even something quote-unquote minor um can still be extremely traumatizing for somebody to go through and if you choose to sexually assault somebody because it is a choice regardless of whatever means you use to do it or what that sex act looks like i don't really care how minor it is you chose you made a choice to sexually assault somebody you don't sexually assault people on accident okay Okay, hear me out Hear me out here, okay? No, we're not doing the no, whole yes. devil's advocate. No, thing. there's no devil's advocate here. I'm explaining why I think that this is a bad. Why having this broad term is a bad thing. So people, let's just get this out the way. I say this pretty frequently. People are stupid and they don't critically think. Okay, right? So when they think, when someone says I've been sexually assaulted, and let's say it's something more minor on this list, they're gonna and like they explain it to someone, they're gonna be like, well, that's not sexual assault. You didn't get raped. Like, why not have 
other terms. But that's for public it. ignorance and lack of awareness. Yeah. That's not an issue with the definition. Isn't it though? If it's a bad definition, then that kind of promotes public ignorance. No, because I would say that one sexual assault is meant to be an encompassing term for the many different things that sexual assault can look like. It okay. doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to be penetrative rape. If somebody were to like literally like grope you without yeah. your consent, like that's sexual assault. Agreed. That is a sex act. Yeah. That is being done against your will. That's all sexual assault is. A sex act that is being done to you against your will. Or that you're forced to do to somebody else against your will. The yeah. key is against your will. Okay, yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> I understand the se- I understand what sexual assault is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just feel like in, in t- legal terms and just regular terms. But I terms, think that comes down to people like not believing, not be- wanting, like not believing women, not finding legitimacy in sexual assault as like a whole, like not... Well, doesn't that remove the ability to do that? Doesn't expanding the definition to other words or maybe what's maybe derivatizing (laughs) the word, Mm -hmm. wouldn't that help? I I don't know how much more specific you could get. It's too, it's not, (laughs) it's specific, but it's not specific because it's so many things. But, and that makes, that leads to people lumping things together. Well, Which that definition does lump things together. I mean, they are sexual assault. I mean, no, because if you look at it in the legal system, there are varying degrees of sexual assault. Like, there are varying counts. Yeah. So, like, just because somebody is a sex offender doesn't mean they were charged with, like, the most severe charge of sexual assault. The charges match the crime. If you grope somebody, you're going to have a different charge than mm-hmm. if you, like, penetrate somebody. So, in the legal system, this definition still stands because sexual assault is, like, a broad category. And there, within it, there's varying severity. And the charges match that. There's not just, like, one blanket charge for sexual assault. But there is one word for sexual assault. Like, that's the problematic part of it. It's like, oh, there's different degrees. It's like murder. It's like, I don't know. I feel like sexual assault isn't murder because murder is you killed someone. Maybe you went about it in different ways. There's something called called involuntary manslaughter. You still killed somebody. You know what? That's not called murder, is it? That's That's not called murder, though, is it? No, but murder is killing somebody. Okay, so we're saying there's def- different definitions for killing someone. In the legal system. Mm, yeah. Yes. Okay, but you have sexual assault, which is sexual assault, and then here are a couple degrees of it, versus here are different ways to say it, or different definitions. Let's just agree to disagree. To <laughs> I'm okay, okay to agree to disagree. I just... Okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like you are wrong. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I just feel like... Mm-hmm. As, as the word man, you know, words matter. I just feel like it'd be better, more helpful. At the end of the day, how I feel is that sexual assault is a sexual act perpetrated or something that you've been forced to do against your will. And whether it's penetration or not, that is what it is. And it's a choice made by somebody else to commit sexual assault. And regardless of the severity of it, um, you've still done that. That's still a choice that you made. And I'm not necessarily going to feel bad if you ended up on the sex offender list because you grope somebody. Um, you chose to grope somebody. So that's all I yeah. got to say about that. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. We'll just, leave, we'll just leave it on that. All right. All right. Well, you have somewhere to be so we can wrap this up. All right. Plus, I need you to send me the file and I need you to do that before you leave. <laughs> All right. All right. So... Um, I would love to have you on again to talk about other things. Maybe something more upbeat next time. Yeah, let's talk about Republicans next time. Ah, <laughs> I will, I, we can talk about it now, but topic. I don't want to. I don't want to fuck this yeah, episode no, up. We'd be here all day. We'd be here yeah. all day. I think we'd lose mm-hmm. the uh, the importance of this if we definitely, talk shit definitely, definitely for, for two hours. So definitely. Uh, but if yeah, but cool, it'd be cool if you came on again. If you'd be down, I'll come on again for sure. For sure, it's a bet. We'll see how your audience receives me first. Yeah, all five of them. Yeah. All 25 of them. <laughs> well, there's... Yeah. Um, they aren't concurrent. They just listen to one episode. <laughs> it was my Kanye episode, which you probably will never listen to. Because mm. you hate Kanye. Yes, I do. But, uh, you know... Proud Kanye hater. <laughs> never, I don't, I'm just not going to say anything. Never mind. So, uh, anything, any exiting statements you want to give the rundown of those organizations again? Where you can find them? Um, yeah, the YWCA. We we you can Google YWCA.org. Um, 
I work for the YWCA West Central Michigan. Um, there's also RAIN, which is the uh, largest nationalization for um, sexual assault, rape, incest, all that kind of stuff. Um, R-A-I-N-N. It's another national organization. Um, and yeah, honestly, those are, I would say, start there. Um, there are lots of other like great organizations doing the work locally and nationally, but those are some of the bigger ones. Those are some of the ones that I'm familiar with. And um, another great one for college students that tries to raise awareness about sexual assault in college is the It's On Us organization. Um, and they try to work with Greek life and other individuals in undergrad to raise awareness for sexual assault on college campuses. Um, also, a movie recommendation for people that aren't necessarily super familiar with the legal process and certain charges and things like that is um, the the hunting ground <laughs> um, which is a movie made by sexual assault survivors talking about um, their experiences um, trying to report assault on college campuses and their fight with title nine which is a bill that has been made to try and um, offer some protections for survivors of sexual assault um, uh, with universities and public institutions and things like that so yeah i would start there um there's also lots of great resources if you literally just google what is sexual assault what is human trafficking lots of things will come up and i would say to everybody that i know this is tough to talk about but you know getting educated and spreading awareness is the best way to make sure that this happens to less kids and less people so thank you for having me today and letting me talk a little bit about what i feel so passionate about jay yeah thank you for coming on this is very informative well, surprise Absolutely. like is it going to be better than i thought it was going to be <laughs> oh yeah nice in silence all this, yeah, all this nice. information you're putting out here i know i know i hope it's not just like word vomit but <laughs> no it was pretty it was good i'll just leave it at that you said right. october is what month you said trafficking month october is domestic violence awareness domestic month. Violence awareness april month. is child sexual abuse awareness month um, there also is a Human Trafficking Awareness Month, but I'm not sure about it off the top of my head. But yeah, October well, is October Domestic is also Violence my Awareness birthday month. month. Just throwing that out there again. Yep, Jay's <laughs> birthday month as well. Good month to donate to the cause, try to get involved, and always remember that there's nonprofit organizations that could really use volunteers and donations and help. And um, yeah, get involved any way you can. Well, this has been Acromatic, and we have been surprisingly not problematic today. <laughs> the, quite the opposite. And uh, we are out this bitch. Say goodbye, Amanda. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. You ain't black.